Welcome to the Cover 6 Podcast, and today we're going to jump right into it. We're going to preview the AFC South Division, and we're going to start with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who uh, automatically get good news having Andrew Luck back. Uh, I have my doubts, I admit, uh, that he would be back maybe ever. Just because uh, they kept delaying everything and saying, you know, okay, he's not throwing yet, he's not throwing yet. You know, he's had this surgery a few months, uh, and then months turned into more months, and, and we didn't know what his status was going to be. But looks like he's back, and uh, obviously that automatically improves this team all across the board because he covers up a lot of warts for them, assuming that he's back in his full force, which you assume that he would be. Um but even if he's healthy, this is a football team that was 4-12 and last year for a reason. Um, that's one of the bad things about having a good quarterback is that uh, though he covers up a lot of wards, it probably means you have a lot of wards as a team. And at 4-12, and they don't have a lot of talent. But we're going to dive right into what uh, I believe they will do this year. Obviously, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. The Josh McDaniels thing, you know, truth be told, I think Colts fans will probably be glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, You know, what he did, pretty inexcusable to me. I'm always a guy who says that, you know what, if you make that commitment, I don't care if it's in life, I don't care if it's having a kid, I don't care if it's with a contract, whatever it is. You need to stay with that commitment, and he didn't. And But they got Frank Reich, and Frank Reich looks like he can be a pretty good head coach. But, you know, this offensive line is where it starts, you know, and you have to, for the Colts, I think it's, it's, it's a bad thing. You know, it's great that Andrew Luck is back, but this offensive line is the reason that he got hurt. Um, when you build quarterback first instead of offensive line first or even defensive line first, if you're looking at how your corners and your safeties are going to perform, it's probably not going to work out well. And that's why he was hurt. Jacoby Brissett, uh, 56 sacks last year the Colts gave up. That is a lot. Um, but they picked up Quentin Nelson in the draft at the sixth overall pick. And then they picked up, uh, and that's at left guard, and then they picked up Braden Smith, who should start at the other guard. Uh, Ryan Kelly will return. He had a season-ending concussion. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo is a little more than serviceable, even though he's not a pro bowler. And then uh, they're going to go by committee at right tackle. In the rushing game, Marlon Mack, who I'm a fan of, not just because of his college days, but I believe he he really does have some talent. Uh, I think it's tough, though. Can the offensive line get settled? Uh, Because Frank Gore is gone. So uh, this is a guy who had only 358 carries on 93 – or 358 yards on 93 carries, and only twice did he have 10 attempts. So uh, we're going to see exactly what he's about in his second year. He catched the ball out of the backfield, too. Uh, Robert Turbin's their backup. He's suspended the first four games, though, so that doesn't help. Uh, so Marlon Mack is gonna, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be the bulk of the guy who who, who gets these carries here in the early going. Uh, 
even though the Colts selected two running backs, Neheim Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Uh, at the receiver position, the Colts still have T.Y. Hilton. Um, this is a guy who I like to say it about uh, the best receivers in our game. He dictates coverage, and T.Y. Hilton is definitely that guy who dictates coverage. But Jack Doyle, uh, maybe a surprise pro bowler to some, not to me. Always been a solid, solid receiver. Uh, took another step last year. But uh, last year, Hilton didn't have 1,000 yards, but he still had 17 yards to catch on 57 catches. And that's an excellent sign, especially when you think about Andrew Luck wasn't throwing to him. So he, you have to think his production goes up this year, both in catches, maybe even in yards per catch too. Um, the Colts too, they signed Ryan Grant from the Redskins, who had 45 catches last year. Uh, we're we're going to see. Uh, you know, Jack Doyle, he was their number one target last year, 80 catches, career high. Eric Ebron comes over from free agency. So this is a team that they've got some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Andrew Luck is the guy who can see them all. So uh, I think offensively they'll do just fine. The defense is switching uh, from a 3-4-4-4-3 under new defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. And he was the linebackers coach and passing game coordinator with the Cowboys. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, before that, he was defensive coordinator in Missouri for eight years. But when you're talking about calling plays in the NFL and calling plays in the in college, obviously it's two very different things. And they looks like they're trying to build a speedy defense. Makes sense. Uh, but last year, you're talking about a defense that was 30th in yards and 31st in sacks. So obviously – uh, the first thing that you have to do is stop the run. Uh, although they cut Jonathan Hankins, speaking of cut, stopping the run. And this team defensively, we're going to see what they're made of. They're going to have a lot of young guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up. Um, Darius Leonard, who they selected at, at linebacker, He's a speedy three-down guy. We're going to see exactly how that works out. John Simon, Shabal, Jabal Sheard. These guys are shifting from linebacker to defensive end. Uh, so it's going to be – it's definitely going to be a work in progress. Um, you're talking about a new defensive coordinator, and then you're talking about guys shifting from linebacker to defensive end, no matter – you know, even if it was defensive end of linebacker, it's still going to be a tough shift. Uh, you're talking about the NFL. You're talking about uh, doing a position maybe you, you've never done before. And then uh, second-round rookies, Kimoko Ture, Taekwon Lewis, uh, defensive end, outside linebacker. Uh, they drafted them for one reason only, their pass rush ability. Uh, so we're going to see. I mean, this front seven is going to be a work in progress. It's not going to be easy. They're not going to jump from 30th to to – you know, 10th, 5th, 1st. But if they can jump maybe from 30th to 20th, who knows? Maybe that's enough improvement for the Colts to be able to steal a couple wins. Because with Andrew Luck back, they still have an opportunity in every single game. Their secondary, Quincy Wilson, Pierre Desir, who uh, reports out of camp, he's taking another step forward. And they need that. Kenneth Acker and Kenny Moore. Uh, we're going to see exactly what happens there. 
Malik Hooker is the guy who was the first-round pick from last season, had a season-ending knee injury, was having an, a very good year. Uh, he is their best, I'd say, defensive back by far. And so we're going to see, you know, this team, can Malik Hooker come back in time? If he can, it's going to help the defense. Uh, if not, they're probably going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball. But, again, that's why they play the game. They still have Adam Vinatieri. Um, he's <laughs> 46. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, he last year made over 80%, almost 90% of his field goals last year. So this guy is pretty amazing still. I've always, always been a Vinatieri fan, uh, even when he was with the Patriots. Just his ability to make clutch kicks. I don't know how you couldn't like him. But he is a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter when he hangs him up. And it's nice to see that he stills going strong. 23rd year. This is going to be his 23rd year, guys. So uh, it's obviously something that uh, is a great thing. You know, I, I, I'm I a fan of, of, of uh, Vinatieri in a huge way. Uh, hopefully he can continue. Uh, that streak that he's on. <clears throat> As for the schedule for the Indianapolis Colts, it's going to be interesting. Um, they start out. I'm sorry, uh, you guys, give me a second here. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, they start out against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at Cincinnati, or I'm sorry, home against Cincinnati. And then they're going to go to Washington, Philadelphia. They're going to go to Philadelphia and then home to the Texans. So you're talking about <laughs> a four game stretch that, you know, it's pretty challenging because you face a. Improved Redskins team, a Cincinnati Bengals team that's improved at least on the offensive side of the ball. I, I gotta, I can't wait to see that matchup between uh, T.Y. Hilton and the um, and William Jackson III. That's gonna be, that's gonna be must see TV right there. Washington's improved. Philadelphia's the defending Super Bowl champs. You, they're technically improved with Carson Wentz coming back, and then the Houston Texans are within the division. Uh, is Deshaun Watson back? If he is, it's going to be another good game. And then New England, right after that, uh, at New England. And then, uh, by the way, that's a uh, a Thursday night game for New England. So four days later, right after facing the Texans, you got to go to New England. Yikes. Ten days later, uh, they go to the Jets. And then uh, they come back home, play the Bills. And then they play at the Raiders. And then two weeks later, uh, they get their, their bye. And then they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, another in-the-division game. Then the Titans, these are both uh, home games. So there's a stretch there for uh, for these guys where they get a, a long stretch of home games. The Titans and then the Dolphins. <laughs> 
<clears throat> and then uh, at Houston, home to the Cowboys, home to the Giants, at the Colts. So this team, you know, it's really about their division more so in the later months. They just kind of have to weave a, a tough schedule early on. But, uh, you know, as, as for this football team, we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what they're made of. Um, they have an opportunity, obviously, to rebound from 4-12 and last year. Uh, if they can, then they're going to be one of the teams that are on the up and up, uh, especially in, the, in a really tough AFC. But having Andrew Luck back really does help. Moving on now to the Tennessee Titans. And here's a team who managed to pull out a playoff win last year coming back against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but it says that, um, I apologize, they they will have a um, first-year coach, Mike Braille, will be on the sidelines. Um, everybody remembers him. Played with the Patriots for 14 years, uh, won three Super Bowls. And then he even coached under Urban Meyer at Ohio State and Bill O'Brien. And he served as their defensive coordinator in 2017. He replaces Mike Malarkey, who, you know, in my opinion, you you always wonder about guys who it doesn't seem like they should be fired or it doesn't seem like, you know, why aren't they getting a contract extension? seems like Mike Malarkey was that guy. It seems like last year he basically was like playoff winner or bust, playoff win or 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 we don't bring you back. And he got a playoff win and they still didn't bring him back. So I don't know. You know, sometimes I like to say owners have delusions of grandeur. You know, they see a guy and no matter who they have, short of it being a, excuse me, a Bill Belichick or somebody like that, uh, they're going to go get that guy. They're going to do whatever it takes to get that guy, and they're going to use excuses to say, okay, well, you know, this is why we didn't retain him, even though uh, it, it seems like Malarkey did a pretty solid job while he was there. Vrabel brings in uh, Matt LaFleur, um, who, how do you put this? Uh, here's a guy who... Kind of has that everything he touched turns to gold kind of deal. Uh, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, the last two years who have had just outstanding seasons. Uh, so we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what that does to Marcus Mariota, uh, who enters his fourth season. Uh, last year, he struggled, uh, you know, coming off an injury. I, 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 for one, it was not surprising to me. But last year... Last year he played his best um, in this in the two playoff games that they had. Uh, four touchdowns, one interception, um, 83 rushing yards. And uh, this year is the year that he has to take a major step forward. I think all those guys from that class, when you talk about Jameis Winston, when you talk about Marcus Mariota, this has got to be the guy this year that basically makes Mike Vrabel's job easy. It looked like his third year was that breakout year, but after the injury, it's tough. You know, you, you, you 
you have no idea. I'm sorry, the second year was that breakout year, but after the injury he had uh, late la- in, in the second year, comes out this year, third year, and it wasn't so great for him. And he's yet to play 16 games. Maybe that's the biggest knock on Mariota. Now, I got to say it, I was a Mariota basher coming out of college. Um, I I did not think he would be that guy. I did not think he would be that good. I am so glad I was wrong. I always like being wrong about those things because you get a chance to see what guys are made of. A guy who comes from that Oregon spread system, yeah, I mean, it's hard to doubt. It's like coming from Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, all those spread offenses, even Oklahoma. And it's a lot easier to doubt them because, quite frankly, nobody's ever done it before. Well, here's a guy who I'm happy to say I was wrong about. He has a lot of talent. I really like that he seems to be a pocket passer first, and then he's a runner second, which is something I believe he developed on his own. So, again, like the majority of the teams that we're going to talk about, the Titans' success will hinge a lot on Marcus Mariota. But because he hasn't played 16 games, Blaine Gabbert, his backup, or even Luke Falk might see some action at some point. To the wide receivers, Corey Davis was a rookie last year, and he showed it. But he had... A couple of good breakout games, including one against New England. And you saw why they made him the number five overall pick last year. If he can take a step forward, it doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to be Jerry Rice. But can he just take a step forward from last year? If he can do that, it's going to make it a lot easier for Mariota to have a very good season. And Rashard Matthews, Delaney Walker are back. Um... You know, these guys, Delaney Walker, he's a pro bowler. He's very good, uh, even going into uh, a, a later year in his career. But uh, you're talking about guys who give you steady production. Delaney Walker, a little more dependable than Rashard Matthews. But can Corey Davis take that step? Because all it does is open it up for everybody if he can. Um, Tajay Sharp. You know, here was a guy who was tearing up training camp last year. And then he had a draft day bar fight, which was interesting. And then he had a right foot injury that that, that uh, basically KO'd his season. But this offseason, uh, Mariota trained with Tajay Sharp. And they believe he's going to have a breakout campaign. We're going to see. Tywan Taylor, he had 16 catches, but four of them went for 20-plus yards. So they got a lot of guys who they have a lot of talent. It's going to be the question for them is can they be consistent? Can these young guys step up and be consistent? Because at the end of the day, Mashard Matthews, he's more of a number two, maybe even a number three. And Delaney Walker, very good, definitely a number one tight end, but they need more if Mariota's going to take that next step. Derrick Henry. He is a guy who, at 250 pounds, is more of a sledgehammer running back. And he also probably has high expectations because they have a good offensive line. They really do. Uh, But Henry's a guy who probably dances a little more than he should behind that line. Uh, Maybe that's why the Titans went out and got Deion Lewis. Um, Pro Football Focus ranked him number five last year. 
and he got a $20 million contract from Tennessee, so it's not like he's going to be on the bench. So Derrick Henry has to show that that improvement, be more of a north-south runner instead of the dancer that he typically is. Speaking of that offensive line, very good offensive line. Taylor Lewan, one of my favorite left tackles in the league. Um, not only that, Jack Conklin, he took a step back, but <clears throat> he is on the right side of that line. Ben Jones is at center. Quentin Spain and Josh Klein, uh, they might be pushed because the Titans brought in Kevin Pamphill and Xavier Sufilo. So we're going to see. Listen, that center right tackle and left tackle, that's the anchor right there, the offensive line. But no matter who starts with those guard positions, they're going to be just fine. And having a mobile quarterback always helps. On the defensive side of the ball, it starts with Dan Pease, the defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator uh, for the Ravens in Super Bowl 52. Here's a guy who <clears throat> retired from the Ravens and then took the Titan job <laughs> almost 30 days later. But when you have one of the best defensive tackles in the league, your job as a defensive coordinator is made a lot easier, and that's where Jarrell Casey is. He constantly commands double teams very – Maybe it's too high a praise, but Aaron Donald-like uh, in his approach, he is definitely one of the top three defensive tackles in this league. Um, we're going to see, you know, Casey, as long as he remains elite, that defense always has a chance to be uh, up there in, in the high, high, uh, maybe top ten uh, at best. Um The Titans in the draft wound up picking up Alabama, basically tackling machine, Rashard Evans. And then Harold Landry as well. They traded up for both of those from 25 to 22, 57 to 41. Um, and they expect those guys to, to make an impact. Um, it's going to be interesting. Landry, in 2016... He played for Boston College. He had 16 and a half sacks, but he struggled last year with an anchor ankle injury. So we're going to see how that works out for him. Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo, uh, they both continue to, 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 to be a reliable duo. Um, Kevin Dodd's been a disappointment, but uh, under Vrabel, he's probably going to get another shot. <clears throat> And in the offseason, uh, Tennessee's secondary is kind of like New England South. They got Malcolm Butler this offseason, five years, $61 million, and Logan Ryan, three years, $30 million. My thoughts on Malcolm Bucker, Butler, I've always thought he was a somewhere between a great and very good corner. I don't know if he's necessarily great, but he's definitely very good. Um been having a great training camp, which you would expect out of a guy who is at least borderline great. He's definitely going to start uh, opposite either Logan Ryan or Dory Jackson. And a Dory Jackson, he's you expect him to take another step forward. Here's a guy who uh, showed that fearlessness, that nose for the football, 17 deflection, three-fourths fumbles. He was able to turn and run with the top-flight wideouts in the league. If Ryan can move into the slot, 
these guys have the makings of a pretty good trio of cornerbacks. And they're going to need him because it's a passing lead. And then how could I not mention Kevin Bayard, <laughs> the middle Tennessee guy who led the league in eight interceptions is just his second season. Um, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players to hit, but or favorite players. And then Jonathan Cyprian, speaking of hitting, um, he sometimes does that a little too much. But on this defense, when you have a roamer uh, like Kevin Bayard and you have three solid cornerbacks, Maybe that hit that style of him hitting, maybe that plays a role. <clears throat> when you look at Ryan Suckup, uh, he had a five-year, $20 million extension, $20 million extension. So that's, that's great for them. Here's a guy who converted 87% of his field goals his first four years. So that's outstanding. Um, Adoree Jackson, of course, is the the – a punt returner, he's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. Reminds you a lot of Pac-Man Jones. When you look at this team overall, though, their ability to win the division, uh, it is winnable. We're going to see Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson really coming back from injury. It, it make it, it makes it a little bit harder and at the same time maybe a little bit easier uh, because they are coming off of injury. You don't know how they're going to look. Jacksonville, of course, is the favorite. But Blake Bortles is Blake Bortles, you know. So we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what these guys do. Camario will take a huge step forward. If he can, then the Titans can look to win their first uh, division title in quite some time. Houston Texans, speaking of which, uh, Deshaun Watson uh, coming back. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, him coming back, uh, knowing uh, coming off that injury, uh, we're going to see, you know, this team, they're in win now mode uh, with that offense, the way that it is. But as we know, their offense depends a lot on Deshaun Watson's health. Uh, we're going to see, but last year with O'Brien, he finally got his quarterback with him coaching Watson. The offense was elite. They averaged 35 points a game, including 39 in his last five. He was on pace to throw 43 touchdowns before he got hurt. Um, what you love about Deshaun Watson is he's not just mobile and athletic, but he's smart. Got a great arm. He makes good decisions. And you can see he has pocket presence. When he was in the game, the Titans were third in rushing because you have to account for not just his legs, but the legs of the guys behind him, too. But without him, they dropped all the way to dead last. And without him, that offensive line was exposed. Nick Martin comes as the only full-time starter back, but they're going to have four new starting. Zach Fulton, Sino Camilete, and Central Henderson were signed as free agents. We're going to see. Julian Davenport is at left tackle. He started four games last year. But, again, what is this line going to look like with four new starters? There's definitely question marks there. Talent or health-related, for every projection starter and backup, there's going to be questions. So uh, it's all about the offensive line, isn't it? But when you have a Deshaun Watson, when you have a Marcus Mariota, when you have a Tom Brady, and I'm not necessarily looping him into those classes of guys, but when you have guys who make it easier for the guys in front of them, that's what I mean when I say that. And he definitely makes it easier on them. A la when Peyton Manning didn't really have a great offensive line for most of his career. And yet 
He was getting that ball out. He was making plays. But let's move on. The running backs, Lamar Miller, uh, Alfred Blue, Deontay Freeman, who's coming back from a torn Achilles tendon. Um, Miller is definitely the favorite, but they don't have a lot of speed. They don't have a lot of big playability. Um, Foreman, if he can come back, he's more of a between-the-tackles guy who's got a little bit of speed. Miller uh, is the best pass protector on the team. So uh, we're going to see. We're going to see. The guy who continues to be underrated, uh, and I, I can't understand why, but people need to con- mention him when they talk top five receivers, maybe even top two, top three receivers, DeAndre Hopkins. Last year, 96 balls, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. It's so funny because this guy is the definition of elite. Double teams, people trying to beat him up at the line. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Got excellent hands, terrific ball skills. And when that ball in the air, he's going to go get it. And it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. And that's, I mean, and he's the only guy who just continues to stay on the field because Will Fuller, he was great. He was great, but he got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt, and he had he had seven touchdowns off of 13 catches when Watson was throwing to him. And then Fuller did take a step up because he didn't have as big a problem with drops last year. Bruce Ellington, he's their slot receiver. He couldn't stay on the field. You know, uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, that's a big loss for them, in my opinion, him retiring. Uh, Ryan Griffin's replacing him, but he's not the most healthy guy either. So we're going to see. I mean, this team offensively, Deshaun Watson coming back from the injury is really going to dictate exactly how good they are on offense. They have limitless potential if Deshaun Watson's back to his full force. But if he's not even the quarterback, well, you may be looking at the Texans offense from before uh, he got there. As for the defense, Romeo Cremel is back at defensive coordinator. When he was uh, an assistant in 2016, they were first in defense. And we're going to see about J.J. Watt. To me, it's the biggest thing. He started only eight games the last two seasons. Can he get back to that elite level? They got him defensive player of the year three times. If he can, it's going to help the Texan defense, but can he stay on the field? All those injuries he played through, they're just, they're just starting to take their toll. And if anybody that's a Texans fan or even a football fan, if you're honest with yourself, you know J.J. Watt's only got a few years left. Um, and so what you hope is that this, in my opinion, future Hall of Famer, in his last few years, he's able to dominate the way we've seen in the past. Speaking of dominating – Jadavian Clowney, um, him and Watt haven't been been able to play even eight games together in every season because injuries have really uh, taken out both of them, although obviously Watt more so than Clowney. But Clowney, he's really improved. Again, another guy I was wrong about. It took him a while, though, so for a while I was right. Uh, but he's, he's a lot better against the run. Um, these guys both can draw double teams. And then with Whitney Merciless, one of the most underrated players in the league, all these guys are capable of drawing double teams, and it just frees up everything for everybody else. But Merciless, uh, he had a torn pictorial last year, and that cost him. 
11 games. So we're going to see exactly how he uh, comes back. Can he come back seamless? Can he come back uh, without uh, looking like, uh, you know, maybe he's hesitant? Because he does everything. Rushes, stops the run, drops back into coverage, covers one-on-one. It does an excellent job uh, in everything. And then <clears throat> Benardrick McKinney uh, and Zach Cunningham are the linebackers. McKinney, you look at him as the replacement for Brian Cushing. Um, five years, $50 million, $21 million guaranteed. We're going to see. We're going to see. He, he struggles a little bit in pass coverage, but he can definitely come up and stop the run. Uh, so we're going to see, uh, you know, we're going to see exactly how Mo- Romeo Cornell can move pieces around this defense and he should be able to get, he, he should be able to make it work. And then the team in free agency added, uh, corner Aaron Colvin and, uh, safety Tyron Matthew. Uh, so we're going to see, uh, Tyron Matthew, hopefully he can, he can stay on the field. If he should, he's going to be fine. Justin Reed was, uh, their first round pick. He, he he's gonna get a lot of PT. Uh, he is a deep safety uh, who can also play around the line of scrimmage. And then he he has a speed and athleticism. So uh, the ball skills as well to make big plays. We're gonna see because he's gonna have his opportunity with this with this secondary. Matthew, of course, was on a one year deal, but he adds that leadership that that secondary has been missing. Uh, we're going to see. This guy's been making plays his whole career. Been a little injury prone. That's why the Cardinals pretty much were like, yeah, you can go. So we're going to see. But he's on a one-year prove-it deal, and those always, you know, they tend to work out for guys. So we're going to see. The Texans are going to need him to stay healthy. That's the biggest theme with this team. Can they stay healthy? (laughs) If they can, well, their upside is obviously tremendous. On the outside, Jonathan Joseph, Kevin Johnson, um, you know, along with Colvin, these are going to be your starters on the outside. Uh, so Shane Leckler uh, is 42, but uh, he's uh, continues to be a solid, solid punter. But as for the Texans themselves, can they stay healthy? That's the, the, the thing for them. If Watson's healthy, they're capable of winning every game. Um. In fact, the three losses that Deshaun Watson lost were one-score games, including they lost by three at New England and three at Seattle. I mean, it would help him, I think, the offensive line. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things. We talked about it. It's, it's just a bunch of guys right now. And so Watson, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. Coming off an injury – you know, I mean, we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what Bill O'Brien can dial up. Can they get more out of their running game? You know, if the Texans aren't hampered by injuries, uh, they're going to have, again, an opportunity to win the division. I didn't go into the Texans' uh, schedule, but I, I, I'm trying not to go too far over here. So we're going to jump right into the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just remember that this team, for a long time, it was just basically Cleveland Browns. I mean, uh, 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 more than a decade of coaching, front office changes, quarterback instability, and losing. And 
all of a sudden they put it all together last year, reached the AFC Championship, and some feel, some feel that uh, they should have been representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And um, this is a team that they have such a good roster. There's no reason to believe they can't come back to the playoffs again. But they haven't made the playoffs in consecutive appearances since they did from 1996 to 1999. But let's dive right into it. Offensively, they led the league in rushing attempts and rush yards per game. With Leonard Fournette coming back, uh, <coughs> apologies. With Leonard Fournette uh, coming back, uh, the the Jaguars will have a good running game, but they remember last year. They remember how they lost that game to New England, up ten, trying to run the football, trying to close the game out. They couldn't do it. So what they do? Well, they went out and they got Andrew Norwell. Five years, $66 million. and this guy is a mauler. He's a very good guard, all-pro, pro bowler. It's going to help when you're trying to run the ball late in games. It's definitely going to help to be able to pound that right because you have to. You have to be able to do that. Even, even the passing teams will tell you. You know, hey, it gets late in the game. We're going to have to run to, to, to get this clock. They're going to try it at least. And now the Jaguars feel like they've got their guy able to do that. Cam Robinson, Brandon Linder, A.J. Can, Jeremy Parnell, they all come back. Um, they've got to be more consistent in run blocking. They actually did a good job protecting Blake Bortles. Um, and speaking of Blake Bortles, he underwent wrist surgery in January and then got a a contract extension, which it's basically a two-year extension. Uh, we're going to see. You know, the report out of camp is he's been on fire. He's been doing great. Uh, Tom Coughlin is the guy who gave him this extension. But we're going to see. You know, I was, I'm a Blake Bortles, not necessarily basher, but if you ask Jaguar fans, if they had Alex Smith last year, would they have won that AFC championship game? Yeah, they would have. There's no question. So Bortles, again, it's about taking the next step forward. It's about making the plays that he needs to make. But can he take a step forward? Can he be more than just a game manager? We're going to see. Making that job not so easy for him is a completely overhauled receiving cast. Allen Robinson, gone. Allen Hearns, gone. Uh, Dante Moncrief comes in from Indianapolis. DJ Clark is a, is a draft pick. Marquise Lee was re-signed. Didi Westbrook, Keelan Cole, uh, they made some plays last year, showed some promise. So the Jaguars are hoping, hey, we're going to have an eight-man box. Uh, those receivers, those unproven receivers, they're going to be able to work against man-to-man coverage. Let's see if they can get it done. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was released after 12 seasons, which interesting decision to me, to say the least. But Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles Paul were signed. And Ben Koyak and James O'Shaughnessy are the four tight ends there that make up uh, for the Jaguars. As for the strength of the Jaguars, it was that defense. Second in sacks, fewest yards allowed per game. First in fewest passing yards per game. 
second in the red zone, second in takeaways, second in fewest toys allowed. This defense was on another level last year. But as is the case with most defenses, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how can it translate over to year two, to year three, to year four, to year five, because this is a defense that is set up to succeed. But when teams have that year of film study on you, it's going to be interesting. Remember Seattle, they were a great defense, covered three, very much like this Jacksonville defense. So we're going to get a chance to see exactly if they can make that transition over to being not just a good defense or a great defense for one season. Can they do it for multiple years? But they returned so much talent, and they've spent so much money on it that what you hope especially if you're a Jaguars fan, is that, yes, that dominance on the defensive side of the ball continues. And the Jaguars didn't waste any time. In the first round, they drafted Tavon Bryan at, uh, on the defensive line, still Calais Campbell's, 14 and a half sacks. He comes back. Uh, also, he's a leader in the, on the field, in the locker room. Dwayne Smoot is a guy who's going to sub for him. He played last year in limited opportunities. And to be honest, with Calais Campbell being a little bit older, they should think about giving Smooth even more chances, especially if you're you're trying to make a run at a Super Bowl. Maximize Campbell's uh, abilities by playing the younger guy a little bit more. Yannick Naguke was a star last year. 2016 third-round pick who wound up having 12 sacks. And then his backup is Dante Fowler, who is another athletic edge rusher. Oh, wait, there's more. Malik Jackson. <laughs> Here's a guy who was signed in 2016 as well. He's going to play that three technique. And then at nose tackle, Abri Jones, Marcel Darius. These guys have got to improve their work against the run. And it's kind of hard because you want to get after that quarterback. But Stopping the run first is the biggest key for this team. That's why guys like Telvin Smith, Miles Jack can run all around the field, have 192 combined tackles, play sideline to sideline because of the work up front. If they can improve their run defense, they're going to be even better than last year. But this year, Smith stays on the weak side, but Miles Jack moves to middle linebacker, which quite frankly is a move way overdue. The guy has always been always been one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. Blair Brown, Blair Brown is going to get an opportunity to win that strong side uh, linebacker role because now Paul Puzlesny, of course, has retired the great Paul Puzlesny. A lot of respect for that guy. The best secondary in the league. Lost Aaron Colvin, as we talked about, to Houston. But uh, Tayshawn Gibson, Barry Church, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye, probably the best secondary in the NFL. Had 18 interceptions last year. Ramsey, the ever so controversial Jalen Ramsey, he talks a little too much for my taste, but his talent on the field can't be denied. But people are going to be gunning for him this year. After he came out and said what he said about 22 of the league's quarterbacks. <laughs> 22. There's only 32. So, And he, he had something negative to say about 22. They're going to come for him. It's going to be interesting this year. Um, but he's, he's big, he's strong, he's physical. He's a very good corner, can play man to man, can play zone. Uh, Bouye, of course, is probably a perfect compliment to him. Uh, and he's probably going to get even more 
challenge because people are not going to necessarily go after Ramsey as much. The Jaguars also drafted Ronnie Harrison in the third round. And he can cover slot receivers and tight ends. So we look at uh, last year, the Jaguars, it's interesting because even with all the improvements that they made, being the number one team rushing last year, being number one or number two in pretty much every important defensive category, they still only won 10 games. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but can they get more than 10 wins? Can they perhaps look at going after home field advantage in the playoffs? That would help because if you're going to be playing New England and Pittsburgh, instead of playing them on the road, why not have to play them in Jacksonville? Make them have to come to your house where you can use the crowd to your advantage, et cetera, et cetera. Can they keep Leonard Fournette healthy? Can they keep getting big plays out of the passing game? Can they continue to be dominant against the pass rush and improve against the run? If they could do that somehow, get 11, 12 wins, be a number one, number two seed in the AFC, it's going to go a lot further for them trying to take that next step, which is winning a Super Bowl. Welcome to the Cover 6 Podcast. And today... We're going to jump right into it. We're going to preview the AFC South division. And we're going to start with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, who uh, automatically get good news having Andrew Luck back. Um, I have my doubts, I admit, uh, that he would be back maybe ever. Just because uh, they kept delaying everything and saying, you know, okay, he's not throwing yet. He's not throwing yet. You know, he's had this surgery a few months uh, and then months turned into more months. And and we didn't know what his status was going to be, but looks like he's back. And uh, obviously that automatically improves this team all across the board because he covers up a lot of warts for them. Assuming that he's back in his full force, which you assume that he would be. Um but even if he's healthy, this is a football team that was 4-12 and last year for a reason. Um, that's one of the bad things about having a good quarterback is that uh, though he covers up a lot of wards, it probably means you have a lot of wards as a team. And at 4-12, and they don't have a lot of talent. We're going to dive right into what uh, I believe they will do this year. Obviously, we'll start with the offensive side of the ball. The Josh McDaniels thing, you know, truth be told, I think Colts fans will probably be glad it worked out the way it did. Uh, you know, what he did, pretty inexcusable to me. I'm always a guy who says that, you know what, if you make that commitment, I don't care if it's in life, I don't care if it's having a kid, I don't care if it's with a contract, whatever it is. You need to stay with that commitment, and he didn't. But they got Frank Reich, and Frank Reich looks like he can be a pretty good head coach. But, you know, this offensive line is where it starts, you know, and you have to, for the Colts, I think it's 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 a bad thing. You know, it's great that Andrew Luck is back, but this offensive line is the reason that he got hurt. Um, when you build quarterback first instead of offensive line first or even defensive line first, if you're looking at how your corners and your safeties are going to perform, it's probably not going to work out well. And that's why he was hurt. Jacoby Brissett, uh, 56 
sacks last year the Colts gave up. That is a lot. Um, but they picked up Quentin Nelson in the draft at the sixth overall pick. And then they picked up, uh, and that's at left guard, and then they picked up Braden Smith, who should start at the other guard. Uh, Ryan Kelly will return. He had a season-ending concussion. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo is a little more than serviceable, even though he's not a pro bowler. And then uh, they're going to go by committee at right tackle. In the rushing game, Marlon Mack, who I'm a fan of, uh, not just because of his college days, but I believe he he really does have some talent. Uh, I think it's tough, though. Can the offensive line get settled? Uh, because Frank Gore is gone. So uh, this is a guy who had only 358 carries on 93 – or 358 yards on 93 carries, and only twice did he have 10 attempts. So uh, we're going to see exactly what he's about in his second year. He catched the ball out of the backfield, too. Uh, Robert Turbin's their backup. He's suspended the first four games, though, so that doesn't help. Uh, so Marlon Mack is gonna, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be the bulk of the guy who, who who gets these carries here in the early going. Even though the Colts selected two running backs, Neheim Hines and Jordan Wilkins uh, at the receiver position, the Colts still have T.Y. Hilton. Um, this is a guy who i like to say it about uh, the best receivers in our game. He dictates coverage, and T. Wright Hilton is definitely that guy who dictates coverage. But Jack Doyle, uh, maybe a surprise pro bowler to some, not to me. Always been a solid, solid receiver. Uh, took another step last year. But uh, last year, Hilton did have 1,000 yards, but he still had 17 yards to catch on 57 catches. And that's an excellent sign, especially when you think about Andrew Luck wasn't throwing to him. So he, you have to think his production goes up this year, both in catches, maybe even in yards per catch too. Um, the Colts too, they signed Ryan Grant from the Redskins, who had 45 catches last year. Uh, we're we're going to see. Uh, you know, Jack Doyle, he was their number one target last year, 80 catches, career high. Eric Ebron comes over from free agency. So this is a team that they've got some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Andrew Luck is the guy who can see them all. So uh, I think offensively they'll do just fine. The defense is switching uh, from a 3-4-4-4-3 under new defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. And he was the linebackers coach and passing game coordinator with the Cowboys. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, before that, he was defensive coordinator in Missouri for eight years. But when you're talking about calling plays in the NFL and calling plays in the in college, obviously it's two very different things. And they looks like they're trying to build a speedy defense. Makes sense. Uh, but last year, you're talking about a defense that was 30th in yards and 31st in sacks. So obviously. Uh, the first thing that you have to do is stop the run. Uh, although they cut Jonathan Hankins, speaking of cut, stopping the run. And this team defensively, we're going to see what they're made of. They're going to have a lot of young guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up. Um, Darius Leonard, who they selected at linebacker. He's a speedy three-down guy. We're going to see exactly how that works out. 
John Simon, Shabal, Jabal Sheard. These guys are shifting from linebacker to defensive end. Uh, so it's going to be – it's definitely going to be a work in progress. Um, you're talking about a new defensive coordinator, and then you're talking about guys shifting from linebacker to defensive end. And no matter you – know, even if it was defensive end to linebacker, it's still going to be a tough shift. Uh, you're talking about the NFL. You're talking about uh, doing a position maybe you, you've never done before. And then uh, second-round rookies, Kamoko Ture, Taekwon Lewis – uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, uh, they drafted them for one reason only, their pass rush ability. Uh, so we're going to see. I mean, this front seven is going to be a work in progress. It's not going to be easy. They're not going to jump from 30th to, to you know, 10th, 5th, 1st. But if they can jump maybe from 30th to 20th, who knows, maybe that's enough improvement for the Colts to be able to steal a couple wins. Because with Andrew Luck back, they still have an opportunity in every single game. Uh, their secondary, Quincy Wilson, Pierre Desir, who uh, reports out of camp, he's taking another step forward, and they need that. Kenneth Acker and Kenny Moore, uh, we're going to see exactly what happens there. Uh, Malik Hooker is the guy who was the first-round pick from last season, had a season-ending knee injury, was having an, a very good year. Uh, he is their best I'd say defensive back by far. And so we're going to see, you know, this team, can Malik Hooker come back in time? If he can, it's going to help the defense. Uh, if not, they're probably going to struggle on the defensive side of the ball. But, again, that's why they play the game. They still have Adam Vinatieri. Um, he's <laughs> 46. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, he last year made over 80%, almost 90% of his field goals last year. So this guy is pretty amazing still. I've always, always been a Vinatieri fan, uh, even when he was with the Patriots. Just his ability to make clutch kicks. I don't know how you couldn't like him, but he is a first ballot Hall of Famer no matter when he hangs him up. And it's nice to see that he stills going strong. 23rd year. This is going to be his 23rd year, guys. So uh, it's obviously something that uh, is a great thing. You know, I, I, I'm i a fan of of, of uh, Vinatieri in a huge way. Uh, hopefully he can continue uh, that streak that he's on. <clears throat> As for the schedule for the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be interesting. Um, they start out. I'm sorry, uh, guys, give me a second here. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, they start out against the Cincinnati Bengals uh, at Cincinnati. Or, I'm sorry, home against Cincinnati. And then they're going to go to Washington, Philadelphia. They're going to go to Philadelphia and then home to the Texans. So you're talking about <laughs> a four-game stretch that, you know, it's pretty challenging. Because you face a improved Redskins team 
a Cincinnati Bengals team that's improved at least on the offensive side of the ball. I, I gotta I can't wait to see that matchup between uh T. Y. Hilton and the um and William Jackson the third. That's gonna be that's gonna be must see T V right there. Washington's improved. Philadelphia's the defending Super Bowl champs. You, they're technically improved with Carson Wentz coming back. And then the Houston Texans are within the division. Uh is Deshaun Watson back? If he is, it's gonna be another good game. And then New England, right after that. Uh, at New England, and then, uh, by the way, that's a uh, a Thursday night game for New England. So four days later, right after facing the Texans, you got to go to New England. Yikes! Ten days later, uh, they go to the Jets, and then uh, they come back home, play the Bills, and then they play at the Raiders, and then two weeks later. Uh, they get their their bye, and then they play the Jacksonville Jaguars, another in the division game. Then the Titans; these are both uh, home games, so there's a stretch there for uh, for these guys where they get a, a long stretch of home games. The Titans, and then the Dolphins, <laughs> and then uh, at Houston. Home to the Cowboys. Home to the Giants. At the Colts. So this team, you know, it's really about their division more so in the later months. They just kind of have to weave a a tough schedule early on. But, uh, you know, as as for this football team, we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what they're made of. Um, They have an opportunity obviously to rebound from four and 12 last year Uh, if they can then they're going to be one of the teams that are on the up and up uh, especially in the in a really tough AFC but having Andrew Luck back really does help moving on now to the Tennessee Titans and here's a team who managed to pull out a playoff win last year coming back against the Kansas City Chiefs Um, but it says that um, I apologize. They they will have a um, first year coach Mike Brayle will be on the sidelines. Um, everybody remembers him. Played with the Patriots for fourteen years, uh, won three Super Bowls, and then he even coached under Urban Meyer at Ohio State and Bill O'Brien. And he served as their defensive coordinator in 2017. He replaces Mike Malarkey, who, you know, in my opinion, you you always wonder about guys who it doesn't seem like they should be fired or it doesn't seem like, you know, why aren't they getting a contract extension? seems like Mike Malarkey was that guy. It seems like last year he basically was like playoff winner or bust, playoff win or 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 we don't bring you back, and he got a playoff win, and they still didn't bring him back. So I don't know. You know, sometimes I like to say owners have delusions of grandeur. You know, they see a guy, and no matter who they have, sort of it being a, excuse me, a Bill Belichick or somebody like that, uh, they're going to go get that guy. They're going to do whatever it takes to get that guy, and they're going to use excuses to say, okay, well, you know, this is why we didn't retain him, even though – uh, 
it seems like Malarkey did a pretty solid job while he was there. Vrabel brings in uh, Matt LaFleur, um, who, how do you put this? Uh, here's a guy who kind of has that everything he touched turns to gold kind of deal. Uh, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, the last two years, who have had just outstanding seasons. Uh, so we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what that does to Marcus Mariota, uh, who enters his fourth season. Uh, last year, he struggled. Uh, you know, coming off an injury, I, 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 for one, it was not surprising to me. But last year, last year he played his best um, in this in the two playoff games that they had. Uh, four touchdowns, one interception, um, 83 rushing yards. And uh, this year is the year that he has to take a major step forward. I think all those guys from that class, when you talk about Jameis Winston, when you talk about Marcus Mariota, this has got to be the guy this year that basically makes Mike Vrabel's job easy. It looked like his third year was that breakout year, but after the injury, it's tough. You know, you you you, you have no idea. I'm sorry, the second year was that breakout year, but after the injury he had uh, late la- in, in the second year, he comes out this year, or third year, and it wasn't so great for him. And he's yet to play 16 games. Maybe that's the biggest knock on Mariota. Now, I got to say it. I was a Mariota basher coming out of college. Um, I I did not think he would be that guy. I did not think he would be that good. I am so glad I was wrong. I always like being wrong about those things because you get a chance to see what guys are made of. A guy who comes from that Oregon spread system, yeah, I mean, it's hard to doubt. It's like coming from Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, all those spread offenses, even Oklahoma. And it's a lot easier to doubt them because – Quite frankly, nobody's ever done it before. Well, here's a guy who I'm happy to say I was wrong about. He has a lot of talent. I really like that he seems to be a pocket passer first, and then he's a runner second, which is something I believe he developed on his own. So, again, like the majority of the teams that we're going to talk about, the Titans' success will hinge a lot on Marcus Mariota. But because he hasn't played 16 games, Blaine Gabbert, his backup, or even Luke Falk might see some action at some point. To the wide receivers, Corey Davis was a rookie last year, and he showed it. But he had a couple of good breakout games, including one against New England. And you saw why they made him the number five overall pick last year. If he can take a step forward, it doesn't have to be – he doesn't have to be Jerry Rice. But can he just take a step forward from last year? If he can do that, it's going to make it a lot easier for Mariota to have a very good season. And Rashard Matthews, Delaney Walker are back. Um, you know, these guys, Delaney Walker, he's a pro bowler. He's very good. Uh, even going into uh, a, a later year in his career, but uh, – you're talking about guys who give you steady production. Delaney Walker, a little more dependable than Rashard Matthews, but can Corey Davis take that step? Because all it does is open it up for everybody if he can. Um, Tajay Sharp, you know, here was a guy who was tearing up training camp last year, and then he had a draft day bar fight, which was interesting. 
and then he had a right foot injury that 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 uh, basically KO'd his season. But this offseason, uh, Mariota trained with Tajay Sharp, and they believe he's going to have a breakout campaign. We're going to see. Taiwan Taylor, he had 16 catches, but four of them went for 20-plus yards. So they got a lot of guys who they have a lot of talent. It's going to be the question for them is can they be consistent? Can these young guys step up and be consistent? Because at the end of the day, Mashard Matthews, he's more of a number two, maybe even a number three. And Delaney Walker, very good, definitely a number one tight end, but they need more if Mariota's going to take that next step. Derrick Henry, he is a guy who at 250 pounds is more of a sledgehammer running back. And he also probably has high expectations because they have a good offensive line. They really do. Uh, But Henry's a guy who probably dances a little more than he should behind that line. Uh, Maybe that's why the Titans went out and got Deion Lewis. Um, Pro Football Focus ranked him number five last year, and he got a $20 million contract from Tennessee. So it's not like he's going to be on the bench. So Derrick Henry has to show that that improvement, be more of a north-south runner instead of the dancer that he typically is. Speaking of that offensive line, very good offensive line. Taylor Lewan, one of my favorite left tackles in the league. Um, not only that, Jack Conklin, he took a step back, but <clears throat> he is on the right side of that line. Ben Jones is at center. Quentin Spain and Josh Klein, uh, they might be pushed because of the Titans brought in Kevin Pamphill and Xavier Sufilo. So, We're going to see, listen, that center right tackle and left tackle, that's the anchor right there, the offensive line. But no matter who starts with those guard positions, they're going to be just fine. And having a mobile quarterback always helps. On the defensive side of the ball, it starts with Dan Pease, the defensive coordinator. He was a defensive coordinator uh, for the Ravens in Super Bowl 52. Here's a guy who... Retired from the Ravens and then took the Titan job <laughs> almost 30 days later. But when you have one of the best defensive tackles in the league, your job as a defensive coordinator is made a lot easier, and that's where Jarrell Casey is. He constantly commands double teams. Very, maybe it's too high a praise, but Aaron Donald-like uh, in his approach, he is definitely one of the top three defensive tackles in this league. Um we're going to see, you know, Casey, as long as he remains elite, that defense always has a chance to be uh, up there in, in the high, high, uh, maybe top 10 uh, at best. Um, the Titans in the draft wound up picking up Alabama, basically tackling machine, Rashard Evans. And then. Harold Landry as well. They traded up for both of those from 25 to 22, 57 to 41. Um, and they expect those guys to to make an impact. Um, it's going to be interesting. Landry, in 2016, he played for Boston College. He had 16 and a half sacks. But he struggled last year with an anchor, ankle injury. So we're going to see how that uh, works out for him. Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo, uh, 
they both continue to, 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 to be a reliable duo. Um, Kevin Dodd's been a disappointment, but uh, under Vrabel, he's probably going to get another shot. <clears throat> and in the offseason, uh, Tennessee's secondary is kind of like New England South. They got Malcolm Butler this offseason, five years, $61 million, and Logan Ryan, three years, $30 million. My thoughts on Malcolm Butler, Butler, I've always thought he was a somewhere between a great and very good corner. I don't know if he's necessarily great, but he's definitely very good. Um, I've been having a great training camp, which you would expect out of a guy who is at least borderline great. He's definitely going to start uh, opposite either Logan Ryan or Dory Jackson. And Adoree Jackson, he's – you expect him to take another step forward. Here's a guy who uh, showed that fearlessness, that nose for the football, 17 deflections, three-fourths fumbles. He was able to turn and run with the top-flight wideouts in the league. If Ryan can move into the slot, these guys have the makings of a pretty good trio of cornerbacks. And they're going to need him because it's a passing lead. And then how could I not mention Kevin Bayard, <laughs> the middle Tennessee guy who led the league in eight interceptions is just his second season. Um, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite players to hit, but or favorite players. And then Jonathan Cyprian, speaking of hitting, um, he sometimes does that a little too much. But on this defense, when you have a roamer uh, like Kevin Bayard and you have three solid cornerbacks, Maybe that hit that style of him hitting, maybe that plays a role. <clears throat> when you look at Ryan Suckup, uh, he had a five-year, twenty million extension, twenty million dollar extension. So that's that's great for them. Here's a guy who converted eighty-seven percent of his field goals his first four years. So that's outstanding. Um, Adore Jackson, of course, is the the a punt returner, he's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. Reminds you a lot of Pac-Man Jones. When you look at this team overall, though, their ability to win the division, uh, it is winnable. We're going to see Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson really coming back from injury. It, it make it, it makes it a little bit harder and at the same time maybe a little bit easier uh, because they are coming off of injury. You don't know how they're going to look. Jacksonville, of course, is the favorite, but Blake Bortles is Blake Bortles, you know. So we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what these guys do. Camario will take a huge step forward. If he can, then the Titans can look to win their first uh, division title in quite some time. Houston Texans, speaking of which, uh, Deshaun Watson uh, coming back. Uh it's going to be interesting, uh, him coming back, uh, knowing, uh, coming off that injury. Uh, we're going to see. You know, this team, they're in win-now mode uh, with that offense the way that it is. But as we know, their offense depends a lot on Deshaun Watson's health. Uh, we're going to see. But last year uh, with O'Brien, he finally got his quarterback. With him coaching Watson, the offense was elite. They averaged 35 points a game, including 39 in his last five. He was on pace to throw 43 touchdowns before he got hurt. Um, what you love about Deshaun Watson is he's not just mobile and athletic, but he's smart. 
got a great arm. He makes good decisions. And you can see he has pocket presence. When he was in the game, the Titans were third in rushing because you have to account for not just his legs, but the legs of the guys behind him, too. But without him, they dropped all the way to dead last. And without him, that offensive line was exposed. Nick Martin comes as the only full-time starter back, but they're going to have four new starters. Zach Fulton, Sino Camelete, and Central Henderson were signed as free agents. We're going to see. Julian Davenport is at left tackle. He started four games last year. But, again, what is this line going to look like with four new starters? There's definitely question marks there. Talent or health-related, for every projection starter and backup, there's going to be questions. So, uh, it's all about the offensive line, isn't it? But when you have a Deshaun Watson, when you have a Marcus Mariota, when you have a Tom Brady, and I'm not necessarily looping him into those classes of guys, but when you have guys who make it easier for the guys in front of them, that's what I mean when I say that. And he definitely makes it easier on them. A la when Peyton Manning didn't really have a great offensive line for most of his career, and yet he was getting that ball out. He was making plays. But let's move on. The running backs, Lamar Miller, uh, Alfred Blue, Deontay Freeman, who's coming back from a torn Achilles tendon. Um, Miller is definitely the favorite, but they don't have a lot of speed. They don't have a lot of big playability. Um, Foreman, if he can come back, he's more of a between-the-tackles guy who's got a little bit of speed. Miller uh is the best pass protector on the team. So uh, we're going to see. We're going to see. The guy who continues to be underrated, uh, and I, I can't understand why, but people need to con mention him when they talk top five receivers, maybe even top two, top three receivers, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, last year, 96 balls, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. It's so funny because this guy is the definition of elite. Double teams, people trying to beat him up at the line. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Got excellent hands, terrific ball skills. And when that ball in the air, he's going to go get it. And it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. And that's, I mean, and he's the only guy who just continues to stay on the field. Because Will Fuller, he was great. He was great. But he got hurt. <laughs> He got hurt, and he had he had seven touchdowns off of 13 catches when Watson was throwing to him. And then Fuller did take a step up because he didn't have as big a problem with drops last year. Bruce Ellington, he's their slot receiver. He couldn't stay on the field. You know, uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, that's a big loss for them, in my opinion, him retiring. Uh, Ryan Griffin's replacing him, but he's not the most healthy of guy either. So we're going to see. I mean, this team offensively, they, Deshaun Watson coming back from the injury is really going to dictate exactly how good they are on offense. They have limitless potential if Deshaun Watson's back to his full force. But if he's not even the quarterback, well, you may be looking at the Texans offense from before uh, he got there. As for the defense, Romeo Cremel is back at defensive coordinator when he was uh, – and assistant in 2016, they were first in defense. And we're going to see about J.J. Watt. To me, it's the biggest thing. He started only eight games the last two seasons. 
Can he get back to that elite level that got him defensive player of the year three times? If he can, it's going to help the Texans defense, but can he stay on the field? All those injuries he played through, they're just, they're just starting to take their toll. And if anybody that's a Texans fan or even a football fan, if you're honest with yourself, you know J.J. Watt's only got a few years left. Um, and so what you hope is that this, in my opinion, future Hall of Famer, in his last few years, he's able to dominate the way we've seen in the past. Speaking of dominating, Jadavian Clowney, um, him and Watt haven't been been able to play even eight games together in every season because injuries have really uh, taken out both of them, although obviously Watt more so than Clowney. But Clowney, he's really improved. Again, another guy I was wrong about. It took him a while, though, so for a while I was right. Uh, but he's he's a lot better against the run. Um, these guys both uh, can draw double teams. And then with Whitney Merciless, one of the most underrated players in the league, all these guys are capable of drawing double teams, and it just frees up everything for everybody else. But a Merciless, uh, he had a torn pictorial last year, and that cost him uh, 11 games. So we're going to see exactly how he uh, comes back. Can he come back seamless? Can he come back uh, without uh, – Looking like, uh, you know, maybe he's hesitant because he does everything. Rushes, stops the run, drops back into coverage, covers one-on-one. It does an excellent job uh, in everything. And then Benardrick McKinney uh, and Zach Cunningham are the linebackers. McKinney, you look at him as the replacement for Brian Cushing. Um Five years, $50 million, $21 million guaranteed. We're going to see. We're going to see. He, he struggles a little bit in pass coverage, but he can definitely come up and stop the run. Uh, so we're going to see. Uh, you know, We're going to see exactly how Mo- Romeo Cornell can move pieces around this defense, and he should be able to get he, – he should be able to make it work. And then the team in free agency added uh, corner Aaron Colvin and uh, safety Tyron Matthews. Uh, so we're going to see uh, Tyron Matthew. Hopefully he can he can stay on the field. If he should, he, he's going to be fine. Justin Reed was uh, their first-round pick. He, he, he's going to get a lot of PT. Uh, he is a deep safety uh, who can also play around the line of scrimmage. And then he, he has a speed and athleticism, so uh, the ball skills as well to make big plays. We're going to see because he's going to have his opportunity with this, with this secondary. Matthew, of course, was on a one-year deal. But he adds that leadership that that secondary has been missing. Uh, we're going to see. This guy has been making plays his whole career. Been a little injury prone. That's why the Cardinals pretty much were like, yeah, you can go. So we're going to see. But he's on a one-year prove-it deal. And those always, you know, they tend to work out for guys. So we're going to see. Uh, the Texans are going to need him to stay healthy. That's the biggest theme with this team. Can they stay healthy? <laughs> if they can, well, their upside is obviously tremendous. On the outside, Jonathan Joseph, Kevin Johnson, uh, you know, along with Colvin, these are going to be your starters on the outside. Uh, so Shane Leckler uh, is 42, but uh, he uh, continues to be a solid, solid punter. But as for the Texans themselves, can they stay healthy? That's the the, the thing for them. If Watson's healthy, they're capable of winning every game. Um, 
in fact, the three losses that Deshaun Watson lost were one-score games, including they lost by three at New England and three at Seattle. I mean, it would help him, I think, the offensive line. I mean, that's that's one of the biggest things. We talked about it. It's, it's just a bunch of guys right now. And so Watson, you know, he's got his work cut out for him. Coming off an injury, you know, I mean, we're going to see. We're going to see exactly what Bill O'Brien can dial up. Can they get more out of their running game? You know, if the Texans aren't hampered by injuries, uh, they're going to have, again, an opportunity to win the division. I didn't go into the Texans' uh, schedule, but I, I, I'm trying not to go too far over here. So we're going to jump right into the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just remember that this team, for a long time, was just basically Cleveland Browns. I mean, uh, uh, more than a decade of coaching, front office changes, quarterback instability, and losing. And all of a sudden, they put it all together last year, reached the AFC Championship, and some feel, some feel that uh, they should have been representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. And um, this is a team that they have such a good roster. There's no reason to believe they can't come back to the playoffs again. But they haven't made the playoffs in consecutive appearances since they did from 1996 to 1999. But let's dive right into it. Offensively, they led the league in rushing attempts and rush yards per game. With Leonard Fournette coming back, uh, <coughs> apologies. With Leonard Fournette uh, coming back, uh, the the Jaguars will have a good running game, but. They remember last year. They remember how they lost that game to New England. Up 10, trying to run the football, trying to close the game out. They couldn't do it. So what'd they do? Well, they went out and they got Andrew Norwell. Five years, $66 million. And this guy is a mauler. He's a very good guard, all-pro, pro bowler. It's going to help when you're trying to run the ball late in games it's definitely going to help to be able to pound that right because you have to. You have to be able to do that. Even even the passing teams will tell you, you know, hey, it gets late in the game. We're going to have to run to, to, to get this clock. They're going to try it at least. And now the Jaguars feel like they've got their guy able to do that. Cam Robinson, Brandon Linder, A.J. Can, Jeremy Parnell, they all come back. Um, they've got to be more consistent in run blocking. They actually did a good job protecting Blake Bortles. Um and speaking of Blake Bortles, he underwent wrist surgery in January and then got a, a contract extension, which it's basically a two-year extension. Uh, we're going to see. You know, the report out of camp is he's been on fire. He's been doing great. Uh, Tom Coughlin is the guy who gave him this extension. We're going to see. You know, I was, I'm a Blake Bortles, not necessarily basher, but if you ask Jaguar fans, if they had Alex Smith last year, would they have won that AFC championship game? Yeah, they would have. There's no question. So Bortles, again, it's about taking the next step forward. It's about making the plays that he needs to make. But can he take a step forward? Can he be more than just a game manager? We're going to see. 
making that job not so easy for him is a completely overhauled receiving cast. Allen Robinson, gone. Allen Hearns, gone. Uh, Dante Moncrief comes in from Indianapolis. DJ Clark is a, is a draft pick. Marquise Lee was re-signed. Didi Westbrook, Keelan Cole, uh, they made some plays last year, showed some promise. So the Jaguars are hoping, hey, we're going to have an eight-man box. Uh, those receivers, those unproven receivers, they're going to be able to work against man-to-man coverage. Let's see if they can get it done. Uh, Mercedes Lewis was released after 12 seasons, which interesting decision to me, to say the least. But Austin Safarian Jenkins and Niles Paul were signed. And uh, Ben Koyak and James O'Shaughnessy are the four tight ends there that make up uh, for the Jaguars. <clears throat> As for the strength of the Jaguars, it was that defense. Second in sacks, fewest yards allowed per game. First in fewest passing yards per game. Second in the red zone. Second in takeaways. Second in fewest toys allowed. This defense was on another level last year. But as is the case with most defenses is going to be interesting to see exactly how can it translate over to year two to year three to year four to year five because this is a defense that is set up to succeed but when teams have that year of film study on you it's going to be interesting remember seattle they were a great defense covered three very much like this jacksonville defense so we're going to get a chance to see exactly if they can make that transition over to being not just a good defense or a great defense for one season, can they do it for multiple years? But they returned so much talent, and they've spent so much money on it that what you hope, especially if you're a Jaguars fan, is that, yes, that dominance on the defensive side of the ball continues. And the Jaguars didn't waste any time. In the first round, they drafted... Tavon Bryan at uh, on the defensive line, still Calais Campbell's 14 and a half sacks. He comes back. Uh, also, he's a leader in the on the field in the locker room. Dwayne Smoot is a guy who's going to sub for him. He played last year in limited opportunities. And to be honest, with Calais Campbell being a little bit older, they should think about giving Smoot even more chances, especially if you're you're trying to make a run at a Super Bowl maximize Campbell's uh, abilities by playing the younger guy a little bit more. Yannick Naguke was a star last year. 2016 third round pick who wound up having 12 sacks. And then his backup is Dante Fowler, who is another athletic edge rusher. Oh, wait, there's more. Malik Jackson. (laughs) Here's a guy who signed in 2016 as well. He's going to play that three technique. And then at nose tackle, Abri Jones, Marcel Darius. These guys have got to improve their work against the run. And it's kind of hard because you want to get after that quarterback. But stopping the run first is the biggest key for this team. That's why guys like Telvin Smith, Miles Jack can run all around the field, have 192 combined tackles play sideline to sideline because of the work up front. If they can improve their run defense, they're going to be even better than last year. But this year, Smith stays on the weak side, but Miles Jack moves to middle linebacker, which quite frankly is a move way overdue. The guy has always been always been one of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. 
Blair Brown, Blair Brown is going to get an opportunity to win that strong side uh, linebacker role because now Paul Puzlesny, of course, has retired the great Paul Puzlesny. A lot of respect for that guy. The best secondary in the league. Lost Aaron Colvin, as we talked about, to Houston. But uh, Tayshawn Gibson, Barry Church, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye, probably the best secondary in the NFL. Uh, had 18 interceptions last year. Ramsey, the ever-so-controversial Jalen Ramsey, he talks a little too much for my taste, but his talent on the field can't be denied. But people are going to be gunning for him this year. After he came out and said what he said about 22 of the league's quarterbacks, <laughs> 22, there's only 32. So, And he, he had something negative to say about 22. They're going to come for him. It's going to be interesting this year. Um, But he's he's big, he's strong, he's physical. He's a very good corner, can play man-to-man, can play zone. Uh, Bouye, of course, is probably a perfect complement to him. Uh, and he's probably going to get even more challenge because people are not going to necessarily go after Ramsey as much. The Jaguars also drafted Ronnie Harrison in the third round. And he can cover slot receivers and tight ends. So we look at uh, last year, the Jaguars, it's interesting because even with all the improvements that they made, being the number one team rushing last year, being number one or number two in pretty much every important defensive category, they still only won 10 games. And that's not to say that's a bad thing, but can they get more than 10 wins? Can they perhaps look at going after home field advantage in the playoffs? That would help because if you're going to be playing New England and Pittsburgh, instead of playing them on the road, why not have to play them in Jacksonville? Make them have to come to your house where you can use the crowd to your advantage, et cetera, et cetera. Can they keep Leonard Fournette healthy? Can they keep getting big plays out of the passing game? Can they continue to be dominant against the pass rush and improve against the run? If they could do that somehow, get 11, 12 wins, be a number one, number two seed in the AFC, it's going to go a lot further for them trying to take that next step, which is winning a Super Bowl.